Are you ready for this one? <laughs> yeah, that's not the title. The title of this morning's message in Genesis chapter 34 is called Our Sister. Our Sister. As we've been looking at Genesis, God and man, we've seen Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Last week we saw Esau. Now he came back and he had forgiven his brother. But as we see as Jacob and his family have moved on and they've separated from Esau, uh, we're going to see a story today of Dinah and her brothers. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, previously, we had seen that uh, Jacob had many sons, but he only had one daughter uh, through his wife, Leah. He had fleed Laban. Like we said, he had reunited with Esau, but he wasn't honest with Esau. Remember that he didn't tell Esau all the things that God had done for him. He didn't tell him where he was supposed to be going. He was playing it the old ways to try and protect himself. He was still afraid of his brother. He still didn't trust his brother. Uh, perhaps he hadn't fully forgiven his brother. But he doesn't go all the way to where God wants him to go. He goes to the west and he ends up settling near a city of Shechem. And we know what happens when the people of God begin to settle near a wicked city. Remember what Lot did, right? When he saw the pleasant land near Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, he said he was going to the land, but eventually we see that he was full on neck deep in that wicked city. And if we haven't gone all the way with God spiritually, we're not going to go all the way with him physically. There's places in life that we want to go, and there's places in life that God wants us to go. But we're not going to go that whole way if we stop short spiritually. I think we've tricked ourselves in our easy society to think that man we can go and take spiritual shortcuts and still get to the same place that God wants us to be in life that even though we haven't done everything God wants us to do that we're still going to have all the blessings that he wants for us and that's not always the case yeah there's grace and God will bless you even if you've messed up and he'll restore the years locusts have eaten but what I'm saying is when God tells you to do something and you don't go all the way in that there's consequence and it's not because God is punishing or God is bringing down his wrath, or God is disappointed. But it's a lot of times God tells us something and he asks us to go somewhere, not only for us to do something, that's I think sometimes the least part of it, but that we might be in the best place. We might be in the safest place. We might be in the place that has the most blessing. And if we stop short of that, well, it's, it's our own trouble that comes upon us. It's because we refuse to protect ourselves the way he wanted us to or do what we really needed to do. And truthfully, it not only affects us and those around us, but usually directly affects our children. Backsliding, stopping short, warming ourselves by the fires of the world. All of these have unseen impact sometimes. Sometimes it looks fine. On the surface, it's great. We live in a great neighborhood. We have everything we need. We have everything we want. Our kids are doing great. Five years go by, 10 years go by. All of a sudden, what are your kids involved in? What does your marriage look like? And is it too late to protect them? All these have an unseen impact until one day that impact becomes very seen and very real and has big consequences. And today, sometimes we have to go over, we have to think about, we have to talk about things why? Not because we want to. Not because even as today we'll see something that is very pertinent in today's culture of uh, conversation. 
but because the scripture leads us to them. They're not always pleasant things. They're not always easy things, but they are always there for a reason. If Jacob were writing the scripture for his family's history or his own posterity, I think he would leave this chapter out. And as the commentator mentions, it's probably another proof that this is a work of God and not of man. We like to gloss over the hard things. We like to skip over the things that are bad and try and spin them PR for our own benefit. But we're not going to find that today in chapter 34 of Genesis. And Lord, this morning we pray as we do read your word. This is your word. Perhaps Moses penned it, but it was passed on and it's something that really happened. And God, for that reason, you want us to know about it. There's things we can learn from and glean from it. Not that the things that were done were right and not that the things that were said or thought about are, were your will or your plan, but they happened. And sadly enough for the people that they did happen to, God, you've allowed us to read about them that they might not happen to us or to our children. And God, we pray that you would strengthen us this morning in your word. You bless all your people all over the world this morning and every day that they might lift up your name no matter what state they find themselves in. In Jesus' name, amen. So Genesis chapter 34, we're going to make our way through the whole chapter and we're going to take it in little chunks. And today we're going to start with the first five verses of Genesis 34. And it says, Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this young woman as a wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his livestock in the field, and so Jacob held his peace until they came. Remember Dinah, her name means judgment, that God had judged Leah's case and given her children and given her Dinah. And she's introduced as the daughter of Leah, but we don't see Leah anywhere in this chapter. We don't see her talking. We don't see a mention of her. We don't know what she was up to. So where was she in all of this? If Dinah is her one daughter out of this family with several moms by marriage and also by handmaid of uh, 10 boys at the time, don't you think Leah would have been closer with her only daughter, Dinah? You know, Dinah's age is unknown at this point. I looked it up and some rabbis say some things and some scholars say other things. But my guess is from those things estimated to be about 10 to 15. I'm hoping on the higher end of that scale. Some of the rabbis went even younger. And that's pretty disturbing. And I don't want to go down that route. So I'm going to say she's a little bit older. Let's say for the sake of our own conscience and our own stomachs, let's say she's a little older. Still doesn't help that much, but if we think of a teenager and the things that teenagers get involved in, it helps a little bit there. But we see the customs of the land, the morals and values of these people were far different than the morals that God had for his people. And we'll see that especially more as we get through this. But 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. 
and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. John is saying, guys, the world and the things that the world loves is the complete opposite of the things that God loves. That if you're loving the things that the world loves to do, the world loves to eat, the world loves to drink. And again, you know, there's a great burger place in town. We go to that. We love going there and getting good food. There's nothing wrong with that. But are we living for the things that the world are? Especially the sinful things. They are at opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to God. And as believers, if we're loving the same things that the unbelievers are loving, if we want to go and smoke the same things that they do, drink the same things that they do, espouse the same virtues that the world does and march with them in the same parades, I don't know that we're loving God. I'm not saying we hate the people who are love the things of the world, but you and I, believer, are not to love the things of the world. Why? Because it's dying. It's death. It's not life. You and I have life in Jesus and life eternal, and the things of the world are passing away. Why would you devote yourself to things that are passing away? You know, we have money and savings accounts for our kids. It's not a lot, but every day that goes by with inflation, it's less and less. And I'm going, the value of money is passing away. Should I take this money that I put outside for my kids and put it into something else that the value is going up like gold or something else? I don't know. Because I think of well, how much this much money will be worth when they're adults. It'll be half as much, a third as much. Assuming that the economy doesn't tank somewhere between then, just on this current trajectory of inflation. So why would I put my love and lust into, into <laughs> you know, a measly 1% you know, APR on a savings account with inflation being higher than that? And that's a small thing. But you know Dinah? She wanted to go. She wanted to do and she wanted to see and be around the girls of the world. She's got this family full of brothers. Who knows where her mom is? Who knows where her aunt is? Oh, I've got some new friends in this new town we're living in. I'm going to go to the mall with them. I'm going to go to the city with them. And that's one of my biggest things for my children is I want them to understand what the world is like. That I used to go to New York City. I used to hang out in Hoboken. I used to go to the bars and do these things. And it's not what they think it is. It's not what they're going to think it is. It's not what their friends might say it is. I want them to understand it. That way they don't want to go. And if they do want to go, well, Dinah, you're 15. You're not going down to Shechem. You got no business being down there. But Dad, no, I'm telling you. Dad, I hate you. Well, I love you. So what were they doing? What were they watching? What were these girls wearing? Had Dinah's parents not instructed her in the right moral ways? Had they not taught her her own personal value that she had to go out and perhaps try and find it somewhere else? So boring being here. I can't stand being part of this nation that God is making. I need to go do what they're doing out there. But would they have even been in this town if her dad had been obedient and gone all the way? 1 Peter 3, 3-4 says, Whose adorning, let it not be that of outward, of braiding of the hair, or wearing of gold, of putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden uh, man in the heart, and which is not corruptible, even the ornament of meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price that women, your value is way more than your looks. It's way more 
than society puts on you. And yeah, in our society, we say that we have equality and all these other things, and we're putting women up on a pedestal. And in some sense, I get that. But we look at the most famous women in the world and think about Beyonce or other musicians, right? What have they done? They've objectified themselves in these roles. They sing these nasty songs. They dress and they dance perversely. And I think it's interesting, before I forget it, we talk about this word that he violated her, right? And I, like, I, I don't like that word, but I like it in a sense more than the word rape because rape is a violent, disgusting word, but I feel it doesn't, and maybe it's just me and I don't know, it doesn't convey the depth of the act. It conveys a violent, disgusting physical act, but it doesn't, to me, portray the spiritual violating that goes on because intimacy between a man and a woman is a spiritual act, whether we like it or not. There's a spiritual transaction that takes place there to become one. It's the way God designed it. And so she was not only violated physically, but she was violated spiritually, emotionally, mentally at a young age. I don't know how long Shechem was, he, how old he was. Was he another teenager there? Was he older and she was younger? That opens up a whole other can of worms about the kind of abuse that this was. But we have to wonder, you know, if this is a spiritual act, what else goes with it? Like I talked about the famous people, men and women, with, especially in the music and entertainment industry. Worship, singing music. We think it's just songs. We think it's just fun. And yeah, there are some fun, innocent songs out there that aren't Christian songs. But it's hard. This stuff was designed for worship. And it's any wonder you begin to see that at these levels on the global scale of worship and sex and spirituality and they all come together and they all from there then they begin to preach out and they proclaim this politics because it's not politics it's their spiritual worldview they begin to preach from the global stage there's a relationship between all this stuff guys the music you listen to the influence that it has on your life the worldview you have is not politics guys it's spiritual there is a reason why a lot of conservative Christians vote a certain way. It's not because politically they've agreed on something. It's because the Bible has dictated their worldview. And what's dictating our worldview as parents? Is it the latest trend, the latest book? What's dictating the worldview of our children? And Dinah wanted to go and be around the girls of the world. She had seen it somehow. She had heard about it. She was curious about it. And this is where she wanted to go and where to be. But Dinah, and again, hopefully she's a teenager, maybe younger, and that makes us even more disturbing, especially as a father of two daughters. She went out. She went out. She went out to the city. And in this day and age, back then they didn't have cell phones, it wasn't police, it wasn't the internet, but even more so with cell phones, with the internet, we need to protect our children at all costs. We need to tell them and teach them and show them who they are in Jesus and how much intrinsic worth and value they have despite what they look like, despite what the world would think of them, despite what they have that they can offer the world. 
to show them in a proper way how wicked the world is. And again, what the end of the ways of the world are, which is sin, which is death. Because you know what? Their curiosity, their desire, especially in those teenage years, will lead them if you and I don't lead them. If we don't protect them, if we're not involved in their lives, not as just their friend, as their parent. Yes, we will talk to them. We will have a closer relationship than their friends. And our influence should be stronger than that of their friends. Not because we force it. We will if we have to. But because we've earned it in their life. We've shown them how much we love and care and have been with them. Because the things that are so quickly available and acceptable today are also so quickly destructive in their lives. And it may even cost in their lives. We have everything at a moment's glance, at a quick voice search. Don't even have to look for it. It just shows up in your feed. And so quick, something that would take months and years and digging to find is now available, is more even available, even taught to them in kindergarten, in school, and dare I say, even church. It's not like when you and I grew up or when our parents did. It's far, far more wicked. And it's ordained from the pulpit of society. But Dinah goes out with her worldly friends. She goes out in the city unsupervised. At this age, even then, just a lady going out alone. I can't think of, you know, sending off a, a, my young daughter to go live in New York City or Los Angeles or a big city or any city, Missoula, by herself. At least, you know, Missoula, she can carry a gun. I just, the day and age, you know, things are different out here than where we were. And I appreciate that, but I still, man, I see young kids riding their bikes in the middle of town. And I think about doing that when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, on one hand, I'm like, I'm glad that there's a safety to that doing out here. But other times I see like a young girl walking, riding her bike by herself on this road in the wilderness. And I'm like, is this wise at all? Go home, get off the road. But then I, then I can't do what I want. I'm not free to do what I want. Well, is the risk worth it? How many people go uh, missing every year? Oh, well, it's just a fraction of percentage, Pastor Tim. But that fraction of percentage, if it's your kid, is it worth it? I, I rue the day when I feel too lazy to drive them somewhere and something like that happens to them. But Dinah goes out and this prince, again, I don't know how old he was. Somehow in my mind, I'm rationalizing if he's 15 and she's 15, it's a little better, but it's not any better. It's disturbing, it's disgusting, it's messed up no matter what the metrics are. He took her and he raped her. Was this at a club? Was it just in the street? Was she at some frat party and she just met him? I don't know. I don't know what the interaction looked like on the surface. The Bible just says that he saw her, he liked her, he took her, and he violated her. So no matter what it looked like on the surface, that's what it was. Whether she put her ad out there on Tinder and he saw it, whether she was at a party and he got her drunk, or whether he just snatched her off the street. This is the worldly way of meeting people. Put yourself out there in a desirous way that someone might desire you and take you. Now, I don't know what she wore. I don't know what she was doing. But she's out there. 
she's with the other girls, and what do young girls like to do? They like to go meet young boys. And what do young boys like to do? They like to go meet young girls. You know, consent is the world's moral. The world will let you do anything you want as long as it's consensual. If you say it's okay, it's okay. However, the lasting damage on your life and soul is there, whether consent was there or not. Yeah, the damage is different. Yeah, the pain and the hurt is different and different consequence, but the consent doesn't change a thing if it's right or wrong. But poor, little, sweet, young, unprotected Dinah, this was an awful, horrible experience. I don't like how the, the headline in my Bible calls it the Dinah incident. It's not an incident. I don't even want to make the message of the title Dinah because I don't want, you know, she's dead and gone, long gone. But man, to think that your name lives on and, and that kind of thing. I don't know how many people naming their daughter Dinah. Although her parents didn't lead her, they didn't protect her. Her mom didn't give her the right example. It doesn't say that she snuck out here. Her dad wasn't there to ground her or instruct her. And although she went to a bad place and was with bad people, she didn't deserve what happened to her. Could it have been avoided? Absolutely. Did she put herself potentially in a bad situation? Maybe. But really, the fault is on Shechem. The problem started long before that, though. But you think, man, you drive your car, you don't wear your seatbelt. Is it your fault you get rear-ended and you die? Not really. But could you have put your seatbelt on? Could you have not gone out in the middle of the night when most people are driving drunk? Could you have waited for the morning? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it any less of a tragedy if you get struck and die? No. But we still need to be wise. And it's better to be extra cautious, I think, with something so valuable, especially as a young daughter. But there's this backwardness here we see of his union to her. You're supposed to love, to be kind, to care for, improve yourself over time, and then get married. But no, he rapes her, and then he speaks kind to her. Then he loves her. You know, the king gets what the king wants. And we wonder why the world is in such trouble, because we all think we're kings. Truthfully, the Bible says that we're kings and, and priests, right? But the worldly kings in us don't limit our desires, and they rule over us, and they hurt others, and they destroy our society. Second's dad wasn't mad at him. Second's friends didn't stop him. He even wanted her to have his wife. He wasn't ashamed of what he did. He just wanted her to love him back. And he was obsessed with her. Perhaps he even thought in his own twisted mind that he loved her. You know, I just loved you so much. I'm, so, I just, I'm sorry. I just, I love you. And he wanted to arrange the wedding. And again, there's so much here that's so wrong and so twisted. I, I don't know that it's impossible to unpack in one message or in the time we have here together. But, but Jacob holds his peace because his sons are in the field. I don't know how he found out yet because Shechem, Shechem and Haram had an, uh, uh, Hamor hadn't shown up yet. Maybe, maybe Dinah came back and she was disheveled and he heard. Maybe Leah told him, I don't know. But he wasn't man enough to stand up for his daughter yet. He was outnumbered, true. You know, he's kind of a visitor in this land. 
but nothing happens yet. And verse 6 says, Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry. They better be. Because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife, and make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us, and take our daughters to yourselves. So shall you dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it. Acquire possessions for yourselves in it. And we'll stop there. So Hamor comes out. Again, this father dealing for his son, instead of the son manning up and dealing himself. I know that Hamor is kind of the king and he's kind of the prince, but sincerely, where's the manhood in this? Send your dad to do it? You did that to the daughter and you're going to have your dad make it right? That shows inherently there's something wrong there. And there's a real problem with manhood in this culture and their culture too. Men aren't men. Men aren't allowed to be men. And when men do act like men, they act in a bad way like men. We haven't been shown, we've forgotten what it's like to be a real man, to stand up for what is right and good, and to protect the innocent, protect women, to stand up for them and to guard them, not to take advantage of them, and somehow think it's okay to then just marry them after, or marry them off. But the, his sons, Jacob's sons, are angry because of the disgrace done in Israel. But this was the promised land, their family was a young nation, their jewel of a daughter was robbed of everything she had. And as a disgrace in Israel, it was the promised land. This was Israel, whether they owned it or not. And this little family was the nation of Israel, as tiny as it was. And these men were mad for their sister. They were grieved. I love that it says grieved and angry. They weren't just angry that these guys disrespected their family. They were grieved because their little sister had been violated. And they were angry. How can these men do this? They did it to our daughter. They did it to our nation. We're not standing around for this dad. Are you kidding me? In a sense, that was the right response. A great wrong had been done. And it had been done to their baby sister. There was moral outrage over here. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin. Hamor comes and says, no, no, don't worry. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. My son, he, he loves your sister. Just... Give her a marriage. It's not a big deal. We'll take care of all this. Don't worry. Listen, you guys want to dwell here. We want you to dwell here. Yeah, this happened, but we're going to smooth it all over. You guys take our daughters. We'll take your daughters. It'll be a big thing. And yeah, you know, he loves her, so it'll be okay. Let's be one family together. We'll intermarry. We'll no longer be Jacob and Israel, and Hamor will be one together. We see that their daughters are just bargaining chips for societal, personal and political gain. Isn't that disgusting? How foreign, what a, how far we've come as a society from these awful days. Well, have we? Do we not trade our children for more wealth and personal gain today? And hear me out, I'm not saying if you have to go to daycare that you're trading your children for more wealth, but sincerely, who raises our children? Is it us? Is it the church? Do we teach our kids anything spiritual? Do we expect the youth pastor to do it? Is it daycare? Is it TV? Heaven forbid it's a TV. Especially today, the school. The school determines what morals your kids will learn. Since when is the government good at anything? 
let alone raising your children. And again, I know many teachers, even I had good teachers in public school, but they don't know the right from wrong anymore. Who imposes those morals? Who imposes sex, quote unquote, education to five-year-olds? Five-year-olds don't have no worries. Don't even need to think about that. Who protects them? You know, because it doesn't take a village to raise a child. As much as you might hear on MSNBC, it takes a family, a godly family to raise children. I'm thankful that my, my kids' grandparents are godly. It says, let me find favor. You know, whatever you say, I'll give you. You know, whatever it takes. You know, we've got money. Money solves a multitude of problems, right? This is just a little faux pas. It's just your daughter. It's just your only daughter. You know, just, it's not a son. As if any money could ever repay this wrong. And it shows how little value women had in this society, in this culture, and in Hamer's mind. It's no wonder that his son did this. Look at how his dad thinks of women as property and how morally blind they are. Talk about women's rights and equality. Well, look at the Bible. The Bible's been championing women as being equal since the beginning. But these brothers, they love their sister truly. And I always tell my kids to love each other, to watch out for each other, protect each other. And this verse is about adultery, about a man who goes in and uh, commits adultery with another man's wife. And this is talking about the husband. It says, Proverbs 6, 34-35 says, For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. Now, if someone hurt my wife, even if my wife wanted to cheat on me and she did it, I'd still want to kill that guy. <laughs> I don't know that it would, but I'd still have rage, and no matter what money he wanted to give me, it ain't going to fix it. It ain't going to solve it. Forget about it. That His jealousy... Uh, is his rage. That this is something that is so deep, so true, so holy it's supposed to be when it's violated. You can't fix that with money. No matter how big your divorce settlement is. But Hamor says, dwell here. It's going to be your land. You'll get rich here too. Just cost your daughter. That's all. And all of your sister's life and her dignity and worth that her brothers were there as well. And verse 11 says, Then Shechem said to her father and her brothers, so Shechem steps up now, and he says, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift, and I will give according to what you say to me. But give me the young woman his wife. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor his father, and spoke deceitfully, because he had defiled Dinah their sister. And they said to them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on this condition we will consent to you, if you will become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, as we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. And their words please Hamor and Shechem, Hamor uh, Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. You know, Shechem himself steps up and says the same thing. 
Now, obviously, the brothers weren't taking it too well from the dad, and so Shechem begins pleading, like, look, look, whatever you want, I just, just please give her to me as wife. Please, I need to have her. She's got to be in my life. I got to have her. You know, relationships will do that. You begin to get involved with someone in that way, and your heart gets hooked on them. But Dinah doesn't feel the same way. But whatever it is, I just want to marry her. In some twisted way, there's a morality here. He does want to marry her. It's not like he just used her and abused her, although he did. But the love and the marriage doesn't fix it. doesn't make up for it. He doesn't understand the depths of what he did to Dinah. So Jacob's sons, well, they speak deceitfully because he had defiled their sister. They knew. They were crafty. These weren't dumb guys. They were going to get revenge. And they were going to do it in the smartest way possible. They knew that they couldn't outpower this man and all his men of the city. So what do they do? They use their fleshly power. They didn't fall far from the tree. They are Jacob the deceiver's sons after all. Okay, sure. All right, well. And they speak a bunch of truth here. We'll become one people. We'll take your daughters. Well, well, as long as you become like us. They don't tell them the spiritual reason for circumcision. They say, just cut that off. Just be like us and everything will be all right. You know, they're, they're feigning... They're, they're feigning their dis, disgust about what happened to their sister and just saying that it's just a, re, a moral reproach because they're uncircumcised. So they use a little bit of truth. They're very smart. And in this time of crisis, that's what they use. They use their flesh to handle it. I don't know how I'd handle it if something like that happened to my family. I can't say that I wouldn't want to turn to my flesh and use every fleshly power of mine to beat the pulp out of somebody. We see stories in the news about fathers. I think it was a father in Texas who caught somebody doing this to his young child. And he killed him. Fit of rage. Ripped him off and killed him. Beat the life out of him. Went to court. What did the jury say? Not guilty. Now, I can't use that as an excuse as premeditated on anything, but sincerely, how could these guys not be this upset? How could they not want to just beat the living tar out of Shechem and his dad and anyone who would come to them and not only do this to their daughter, but not come offering an apology, but just offering money for her? Is she a harlot? She's her sister. They weren't willing to become one people with these people. But they were going to fake it until they make it, so to speak. So verse 19 says, So the young man did not delay to do the thing. He was, whoa, that's all I got to do? Great. Took out his pocket knife. And it says something very interesting here. Because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He did delight in her. But it was messed up. And it says, He was more honorable than all the household of his father. We'll come back to that. And Hamer and Shechem, his son, came to the gate of their city and spoke with the men of the city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For indeed, the land is large enough for them. You know, we got enough room. It's just, it's fine. Don't worry about it, guys. Just do this. Let us take their daughters to us as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men consent to dwell with us, to be one people. If every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised, will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. 
and all who went out of the gate of a city, he did Hamor and Shechem his son. Every male was circumcised, and all who went out of the gate of his city. It says Shechem was quick to do it, that he really wanted to marry her. In some young love, twisted, perverse way, he loved her. And he says he was more honorable than the rest. He quickly went and did whatever it took to make sure that he could marry this girl. But even though this man was a rapist, and again, I don't know how old he was, to say that he was more honorable than his family show how depraved those people was. That you could call someone honorable who's a rapist. It's not saying that he's honorable all through and through as someone to be held up, but that relative to his people, to his family, he was a good guy. And that shows a lot. But this was how he was raised. He still made his own choice, but this is the family. This is the culture he came from. One that had perverse moral guidance. But his dad goes back and says, look guys, we got enough room for them to stay. We just do one quick cut and a week or two later we'll be fine and guess what? All their stuff's going to be ours anyway. Anything that they come in, they want to be one with us, we're going to take over them and isn't that the way? We think that we can be one with the world and we're going to win over the world, but that doesn't happen. When we try and be one with the world, what happens? We become like the world. We cannot go down to their level. And says, it'll pay off for us, but not for them. So don't worry, guys. Let's just do this quick. I know it's going to hurt, but just do it. Man, I, I couldn't do that. But Proverbs 1.10 through 12 and 14.19 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us wait, lay and wait for blood. Let us lurk privily. For the innocent without cause, let us swallow them up. Alive is the grave. The whole is those who go down to the pit. Excuse me. Cast your lot in among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood. They are privily for their own lives. So are the ways that everyone is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. That these guys don't go with them. Don't become one with them. And in fact, we're going to see that these men's greed, their wickedness, comes back on them. But all these guys get circumcised and they did this fleshly deed without a spiritual reason to. They cut it off, but it didn't change who they were. In fact, they did the so-called spiritual deed of circumcision just to get more of what their flesh wanted. Verse 25, Now it came to pass on the third day that they were in pain. No joke. They didn't have ibuprofen, anything back then. That two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the men. And they killed Hamor, all the males rather, so it's men and boys. And they killed Hamor and Shechem his son with the edge of the sword. And they took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their sheep, their oxen, their donkeys, and what was in the city and what was in the field and all their wealth. All their little ones and their wives they took captive, and they plundered even all that was in the houses. So the third day, again, that's interesting, you know, this third day thing, three days passes. It says that these men were still in pain. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It's the reason why it's good to do with a baby. You don't remember it, and it just probably doesn't hurt as much, hopefully. But Simeon and Levi, it's interesting that they're the second and third oldest. Where's Reuben in all of this? 
Maybe he's thinking of his dad. Maybe he doesn't care as much. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to get involved. Maybe he doesn't get as hot in his anger. But they went and they killed all these guys. They took their sword. Simeon and Levi, two guys, take out everybody because all the men are sitting there wailing and crying in pain, not able to get up, not able to move, not able to do a thing. Became easy prey. And they took Dinah back. Do you think Dinah wanted to be there for those three days? I mean, at least she probably wasn't raped anymore because of the circumstances. But do you think that she was probably scarred and wondering? Do you think Simeon and Levi said, don't worry, Dinah. It's three days. We're going to get you. I think of AIM, Agape International Missions, where they rescue young girls out of slavery. I don't know if I could be on that SWAT team because if I found anyone holding them, I'd just want to shoot them and kill them on sight. But they arrest these people, and a lot of them are American, and they bring them back, and they face trial here, which I think is fantastic. They're going through the justice system. They're not being vigilantes and taking it into their own hands. They're rescuing these girls, and they're bringing them into justice. I mean, we can get into the whole argument. Do these guys really get any justice out of it all? Should they not face death? Someone raped my daughter. I think he should die. Why? Because... My daughter will never have to worry about him again. But if he gets out and he just has to file some, some paperwork and he gets his name on a website, but he can live next door to somebody else or by a school or he could potentially track her down again, you don't, don't think that her nightmares would be eased knowing that he could never come back? So I think Simeon Levi did the right thing, taking out Hamor and Shechem. But I think they went a little far. They killed everybody. I don't know how this would work out politically if they didn't, what would happen to them, but they plundered the city and all their wealth becomes Jacob's wealth. They wanted Jacob's wealth. Well, they now lost it all. They wanted Jacob's family. Well, all their kids and their wives became Jacob's families. All because their sister Dinah had been defiled. They did this for their sister they would take everything of life and value from the entire city because everything of value in life was taken from their sister. There's an importance to honor. There's an importance to family that we need to stand up and defend. Would this ever make up for it? No. But again, there's something to be said about that swift justice. All the men of the city in some sense were involved in it, but all of them didn't do it. It was a little bit overkill. They took all the families captive, so now the, the wives and the sons and the daughters, now in a sense they're doing them some wrong. Yet again, perhaps in that day they're going to take care of them, they're going to be in their household, they're not going to be raided by some other group of people. So it's always a little more complicated than what it seems, but Deuteronomy 32.35 says, Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that come hasten upon them. You know, in my eyes, we were wronged recently by something. Even someone else would agree that we were. And I would like to go out and do something and say something and make a big deal of it. But you know what? I know that in the end, God's going to take care of it. At the end, it's sad that if this is all they get out of life, that's all they get. And, you know, may God bring them to know Him before they face judgment. Because God will take care of us. But what happened here was way bigger than what happened to us. Us was just about a home. This is about a daughter, a sister. But as we close, verse 30 says, Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me. 
by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. That Simeon and Levi say to their dad, they say, should he treat our sister like a harlot? And that's the end of the chapter. They get the last word there. Should he treat our sister like a harlot? Dad, why are you so caring about yourself? What do you care what they come to do after? Does that make it okay what they did, their, did to Dinah? Should we let them get away with that? Jacob's worried about himself again. He stopped short spiritually and he's backslidden and gone to just being worried about himself. Even if it meant his daughter was defiled. He's worried that the neighboring nations will be afraid of them and come wipe them out for what they did to Shechem. Or even the friends of Shechem will come and get him with more revenge. And that's the problem with revenge is that where does it end? Who determines what's right and wrong, what the end of justice is? And that's why God says in, in Romans that he's given us the government to handle these things. But man, it's frustrating when the government doesn't come through. When the government doesn't have the death penalty anymore, the, the justice system is perverted and twisted and people get out. You know, you have to think about the guys who do go to jail for hurting young people. And the other prisoners, they go, we're going to exact justice on this guy. That there's this prison justice system where they end up murdering the child molester. It's a hard one to say when even a convict knows what should happen to these guys. But the judge doesn't. And society doesn't. In fact, might even make it part of normal society. Oh, you can't control who you love. You just love who you love. It's a hard topic. It's a hard question. I think these brothers have the right heart in them versus their dad. They love their sister. And this was their sister. And you know, all the fights they have with siblings and disagreements and different viewpoints and things like that growing up. Man, as soon as someone messes with your sibling, forget about it. All those things go away. You don't mess with my brother. I was just beating him up. But you're not allowed to beat him up. But again, the problem here is that the, the problem began in the family long before Dinah went out to hang out with these girls. But now that it did happen, they couldn't just let it happen. Think about the civil trial of O.J. Simpson where he was acquitted in the criminal trial, but he was found guilty in the civil trial that the parents of the people murdered couldn't just let it rest. They had to keep pursuing it. But was justice really met? Money isn't going to fix it. Money isn't going to bring them back. Were they doing what they should have been doing? No. But man, Dinah's attacker would no longer walk the earth, would never hurt her again. Was the revenge overkill? Yes. What would have happened after that? I don't know, but perhaps they would have gone to Bethel a little bit earlier, knowing that they couldn't stay there. Because stopping short spiritually lights a giant fuse for a spiritual bomb to go off. And that's what happened here. And who was hurt the most? Dinah. And these people around them. So don't stop short. Don't give in. Don't blend in. Don't be afraid to defend your family from the very beginning, from the earliest age, from the earliest sign of attack. Because the world wants nothing more than to take every advantage of our children, to violate them, in every way. Oh, but my son or daughter is going to be a movie star. 
They're going to be in the Mickey Mouse Club, and then they're going to have a music. But look at what happens. How much of them have been abused just to get famous? We find out about all these things coming out in the entertainment industry that we knew were there for, the, for that long, but now it's a hot topic, so it comes out and it gets traction. What people, what abuse people subject themselves to even just to get ahead in the world. It's not worth it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world if he loses his soul, right? Because we must lead our children and our families in the right way before they get led off like lambs to the slaughter. We must lead them in the right way before they get led off like lambs to the slaughter. I remember writing that. That's why I repeated it. And again, so help me if anyone harms my children like Dinah was harmed that day. But a man like Jacob, I don't think I'm going to leave her justice in the hands of her brothers. Because it's not their responsibility. It's my responsibility as a dad to cover my wife, to cover my sons, to cover my daughters, to stand up for them and for our society, for what's right. It's tragic that sometimes it takes a tragedy for us to learn something. How many times does it take accidents to happen for them to put up a stoplight? This is a hard message and one that, man, I didn't want to teach. I was looking for any excuse not to teach this morning. But we can learn from it. Be reminded that our children, our families, and our morals have high value. And no one has to agree with that. Not here to make anyone agree with us. We're here to take care of those we love. And Father, this morning we just uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this hard message and topic. God, we pray for those who are victims, who have given themselves over, or have even done these things to violate others or be violated, that you would rescue them from sin and pain and give them the forgiveness that they could forgive their attacker and be free of it and not have the nightmares anymore and be found whole again, be made whole again by you and those who have done it, that, God, you would free them from the guilt and from the perverseness in their own heart. But, God, we're all perverse, God. We're all sinners. We all need you. God, this world is lost. May this world come to know you and not face your judgment because when your judgment comes, it'll be far swifter and far worse than the judgment of Simeon and Levi on those people. But God, be with our daughters and our sons and our families, our wives, and those around us and help us live rightly despite what the world thinks. Help us protect our children despite how backwards they might think we are or how upset our children might get when we don't let them do or have the things that their friends have because we know that there's too much danger in it and it's not worth the risk. Give us wisdom in these things, God, who is sufficient for it, God. We love you. Come soon, God, we pray. We long to be out of this place, but as long as we're here, how would you use us and, and send us? God, we trust you'll do these things, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you that you're a good king and a good father and you love us and you value us more than worth, more than your own life. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.